everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode the three of us each bring a fic to discuss brenna what is your fic for this episode uh my fic for this episode is and then we shot the ox by colt spain this is a gen fic for the fandom oregon trail game um yeah i'm excited to talk about it nick what's yours my fic for this episode is richie tozier is the comeback clown by AO3 users Owl in a Minor and Tiny Person Hotel. It is for the fandom It by Stephen King and also the movies. There's two of them, I think, associated with this book. Our pairing is Eddie slash Richie, and it's a very fun multimedia fic. Reed, what are you bringing for this episode? I'm bringing It Walks Among Us by Strange Hunger. It is for the fandom She-Ra. The pairing is Catradora. Um, it is also kind of multimedia. I don't know. It's a funky little fix. All of us brought funky little fix this episode, which I'm excited to get into. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to be bringing. I was going to say back beloved. I don't know if this is beloved. Everybody I don't know how this is received. <laughs> like I know that people like when we make up little fan fictions according to like Ao3's fields. Uh-huh. I don't know if the ficlets clamor for frantic fanfic intros in the same way, but that is what you're getting this time. Uh-huh. I don't know if one of you wants to explain what frantic fanfic is in case um, they haven't listened to one of the frantic fanfic episodes before. Yeah. So we're going to write a fanfiction together, but each of us only can write in each story for a minute at a time. We probably will only publish one of the three stories because that's just what we historically do. So look forward to the best one, probably, or at least the funniest one, written by the three of us in collaboration with one another very frantically. Last time we did this, which was a while ago, we did realize that we had put the settings on in such a way that like it just kept going and going and every round got longer. Um, we were, I think we frantic fanfic for like an hour. We have changed it this time to really shorten down the amount of time that we have writing. So I'm excited to see how that works out for us. <laughs> Last time, um, Nick wrote a beautiful monologue by Gordon Ramsay about Chicken Wellington, so... Yeah, I'm nervous to try and live up to that. It was a a powerful moment where I was mm-hmm. possessed by the spirit of fictional Gordon and his feelings about Manifest Destiny. I don't even think you'd have the time to write that this, this like, iteration. I could try. I guess we'll find out. All right, we're starting. Write five potential fanfic characters. I feel like we should have like little elevator music. I don't like those, but I have submitted them. Oh, shoot, I'm not done. <laughs> we have 20 minutes, so I'm just trying to take my yeah, time you here. You better not use all of that, though. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I'm still thinking. Okay, I submitted. Oh, wow. <laughs> Christ. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my <It's> God. <laughs> Um, okay. wow, I could create something really yeah. horrific out of this. I'm choosing um <laughs> badly, but I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this one. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Help. Oh my, oh my god. Okay, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I did not get a lot of words down. I didn't even really set up a story. Sorry. Okay, what is happening here? I'm like getting nervous. <laughs> oh my wow. God. Okay, these are both my submissions for characters. <laughs> Reed, I love it. <laughs> oh, this is rated for all ages though. I have to be careful. Oh, this must be next. Okay. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I've ruined- I've ruined the story, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I keep having less and less time to type anything. <laughs> I know, this is why they add time. No, 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 this is better. <laughs> this is frantic. Maybe this time I just won't read what's yeah. happened. Where is this story going? Well, well, oh that's my where God. the story we, ends. We frantic to fanfic. <laughs> oh, and now we read them. I'm nervous. My story is Cerulean Orbs. The characters are Hojun, Kissable Lips, and Captain Kirk. You have to stop, Kirk said forcefully. I can't, Hojun said sadly. I'm a centuries-old vampire who hypnotizes people with my bad CGI eyes. Yes, but you're disobeying the Prime Directive by hypnotizing all those people when they have no concept of what vampires are. Hojun tried to use his piercing blue orbs on Kirk, but Kirk turned up his own CGI blue eyes in response. <laughs> oh, Hojun thought it's bleeped out because this one is not. Um, 18 plus, this one's all ages. Oh, beep, Hojun thought. He'd never seen anything like this. In Kirk's eyes, however, was the promise of something new. Was Kirk a pure-blood human? God, that sounds bad in English. Was he the potential key to Hojun's life being saved is what I mean? It's fine. Kirk had the most piercing blue eyes of anyone in Starfleet, but that didn't necessarily mean he was the most pure human. He was kind of fucked up, actually. He kept making bad choices and violating the Prime Directive. But he was doing it all in the name of being sexy and trying to seduce Spock with his blue-eyed wiles, so it was fine. Anyway, he really had to deal with this vampire problem. How can I convince you to stop feeding on people, Hojun? I need to debut in ZB1, Hojun said solemnly. <laughs> what is that? Kirk asked. He wasn't hip with the times. Hojun, despite being much older, was incredibly hip and in fact used his hips to dance in many styles, including that of K-pop idols. It's the greatest temporary band of all time, he said solemnly, but we only have two and a half years, so we have to work fast. Hmm, Kirk said. Seems tough. I'll help you, said Kirk. I managed to cheat on the Kobayashi Maru, so I can probably help you rig the Mnet voting system too. You will debut. Fighting! Fighting! That's nice. That yeah. was a nice story. I liked that <laughs> yeah. one. I was, I was going out on a limb and hoping that Hojun was the vampire, and if he wasn't, he is now. You absolutely nailed it. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, is this a true kissable lips fic in the tag? No, because it's not like a fix it for the ending, <laughs> <laughs> which is like all that's in there. No, it's a fix it for Hojun debuting in ZB1. Oh my yes. god. Yes. Okay. Um, my fic is the third and final fic. Um, the characters are Ricky from ZB1 slash Boys Planet and a Formula One car. <laughs> oh, Ricky, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hop into the driver's seat and put it into speed drive. Blurs from the car's speakers as Ricky adjusts his helmet. This is only his third race in F1, but he's hyped. He and his boy car definitely have a special bond. He knows his car is a boy, even though most... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He knows his car is a boy, even though most of the people consider F1 cars girls. Ricky is beyond such things like gender norms, except in how he is fully gendering his car. Powered by the sick track that is Speed Drive from the Barbie movie, Ricky knows he was about to crush his quali lap. Max Verstappen who? Ricky was the new face of Versace's F1 team, and he's going to make it count. 
Versace being the best F1 team in the entire league really helped Ricky to feel close with his car. His car was beautiful, fast, powerful, iconic, and cool as all heck. Ricky, his car whispered. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for the race? I'm the readiest I'll ever be, he admitted. Feeling fully in sync with his beautiful and fast Versace car, Ricky pulled out into the pit lane. The rain was coming down heavily, but Ricky knew he could still come in at least, like, P6, probably. Clerk isn't going to get to me. <laughs> I was finishing because you left up an L. That was really so good. Clear. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky said confidently. With the green light from Versace, Ricky started whipping around the corners of Monaco. If he could only get pole position, he knew this race would be his. And then he'd have even more money, which he didn't need because he was already young and rich and tall and handsome. So true. Unfortunately, it was very difficult to whip around the corners in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, God, ugh, Ricky said. We can do this, his car replied with a blast of nitrous. They zoomed past all the other cars together. Winning the trophy was the second best thing ever. (laughs) What was the best thing ever? (laughs) Just being um, young and rich, tall and handsome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ran out of time. It's up to interpretation. Death of the author. I didn't get to explain it. So true. (laughs) Yeah, good voice acting, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I really liked Ah, ugh, at the end. It was good good writing, whichever one of you did that one, too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I think it was Nick. Wow, that was some good frantic fanficking with my friends. Speaking of cool men on wheels trying to get somewhere, Brenna, tell us about your fic. Alright, so my fic for this episode is And Then We Shot the Ox by Coltsbane. Um, this is a 3K fic from Yuletide 2009 that is based on the video game uh, Oregon Trail. Many of you, especially if you were in the US education system, probably have had encounters with Oregon Trail. If you have not, um, it's pretty easy to find some stuff about it or to play an old archive version online if you're at all interested. I think Nick will have some more to say about that. <laughs> um... This is a gen fic that features OCs. The way you play Oregon Trail is you make up your own characters. So that's sort of what's happening in this fic as well. Um, And here they seem to be traveling back from Oregon towards the east um, along the various check marks that you encounter within the game. Um, I thought this was a really clever play on the Oregon Trail game with fun gamification elements and a really fun and interesting twist at the end. Um, I definitely could have read even more of this fic. I just thought the premise was cool and I enjoyed the additional world building that the author added into the landscape of Oregon Trail. Um, I was always very fond of playing Oregon Trail as a child who was both obsessed with sort of like American history and also like it was the only kind of fun educational game we had on the computers at school. Um, So the game has a soft spot in my heart and I enjoyed this. In terms of content warnings, uh, the only additional tags on this are you have died of dysentery, um, which is a thing that can happen in the game. I will say, um, yeah, sort of canonical things that happen in the Oregon Trail game, such as dying along the trail. Um, And then there's also sort of, this is a spoiler, um, but there's sort of a a vibe of uh, something catastrophic having happened to the United States. I'm really excited to talk about this, but my co-hosts, what were your experiences with this fic? Nick, I feel like you're dying to talk about your Oregon Trail run, so I'm you so can go excited. first. 
I am, but I can't talk about it in my experience of the fic at first. Okay, everyone, figlets. I really enjoyed this. It's pretty short. It's a super quick read. But as I was starting, I saw that it has some interesting formatting and like some really specific references and things. So I was like, I have never played Oregon Trail in me life. So I was like, I should probably try this. I played it on the Visit Oregon website. Thank you to the state of Oregon for that. (laughs) Super helpful. Um, And having played through, it was pretty quick. It was pretty easy. I will talk more about my run later on in this episode and this discussion. Um, That made a huge difference to my ability to parse what was happening. So if you have not played Oregon Trail and you want to read this fic, I would totally recommend playing a run through and then reading because I think it really adds to the experience of reading the story. I thought that this was really smart. I thought it was well written. I really, it's a Yuletide story, I think. And that obviously felt like the vibe here. Like, here's a niche thing. I'm taking a really like determined to swing at it i have an angle i'm making choices and we're going for it which i really appreciate um i thought it had a really clear narrative voice which i always love and the formatting was great too so i'll have more to say about that later but overall this was definitely a hit for me yeah um i did kind of a similar thing i maybe i had played oregon trail once in my youth i did not really remember so i started reading the fic and then i immediately was like uh, like, you know, like, I know the memes, right? The, like, you've died of, of dysentery thing. Like, I know those memes. And I, like, in my head could picture the general vibe of Oregon Trail. But I was like, I should probably just, like, play a quick game so that I also can sort of get the references better. Did the same thing as Nick. Thank you once again to the state of Oregon and your website for having a free archive version of it. Um, definitely agreed that that helped with sort of just, like, getting myself into the zone. But then I was like... What is going on as I was reading this fic? Like, I was enjoying it, but there are all these, like, little things that just sort of didn't really make sense. Or, like, not didn't make sense, but I was like, that flags is weird. And then I just kept having that that thought, like, over and over again to the point that I, like, went to Google something and then my answer was given to me literally a sentence and a half later. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, a little bit of spoilers as well as spoilers from Brenna's, like, content warning. But um, there's sort of a twist to this fic that I thought was so clever and, like, really paid off. Again, it's a short fic, and so, like, I kind of just went back and skimmed it again, and, like, there are certain bits that just really stand out when you sort of know what the twist is. I thought they were very clever. Yeah, and I thought the framing of the fic through bringing in, like, in-game elements was also very smart and worked very well, the sort of, like, health status and um, all of the little things that you get in the game as you're playing just worked really well to sort of set the scene and the tone of this fic. So I liked it. I had fun with it. Yeah, I think in order to talk more about the fic fully, we do need to spoil it. But I think before we do that, um, Nick, I'm very curious to hear about your run of the Oregon Trail game. Uh, yeah, so everyone, I was so hyped. You, I learned immediately that this game does a thing I love, which is you get to name your characters. So I named my little family. Uh, my characters in my Oregon Trail run were Leader, who was the leader of the family. Um, legend who was kind of the other adult and then felicity clown and spud Uh, that was my family that i was working with very fun um and i chose to be a banker so you can start at three different levels you can um be like kind of have a lot of money to start a medium amount or like not very much i was going easy mode i was like i need a lot of money (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing i've never played this in me life so i started out i bought some supplies i was like let's go let's try some things out And I started making my way towards Oregon. I expected my characters to die very quickly. They didn't. 
Uh, not to brag, I did a great job getting people towards Oregon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will say as I was playing, um, it was interesting to see because you can like talk to people at certain points along the way. So I did a lot of that. I didn't realize it burned a day. Um, so I was doing that a ton at first. <laughs> I was like, I want to see what all the little options are. Um, I met Mormons who were like, oh, yeah, my family's going to Utah. And I was like, oh, hello. Um, there is a fair amount of racism, uh, which I think is probably like historically accurate to the perspective that the game is told from. But I was like, oh, yeah, I should have expected this probably um, specifically towards like Native Americans and indigenous folks in the area. Um, but yeah, I played it pretty safe. I like took a ferry across a river. I felt very fancy doing that. Um, and I was doing well. There is a mechanism for hunting for food if you want to do that. I had a bunch of bullets that I had purchased. I was useless at that. So I gave up immediately and started trying to use them to trade instead. Um, yeah, I was firing bullets left and right. No, no game. When I started, I was like, oh no, well, okay, because I, I'm so sorry, I'm going to interject briefly. Yeah, yeah. I tried to float my wagon across and then I lost 850 pounds of food. And that was not an auspicious start. That was my first river crossing. <gasps> so then I was like, I don't know. Yeah. So then I was like, I've got to go no hunting. Issues. Yeah. Um, and I was really bad at the hunting game at first, but then at one point I started like getting good. But then if you, this like, I mean, I didn't like killing the animals, but you know, one point if you kill enough animals, I was like, great, like I need more food, but you can only carry so much back with you. So it was like, you killed like 280 pounds worth of meat, but you can only carry a hundred back. So like my family was not doing well because I was constantly oh, yeah. on the lookout for food. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. yeah. I had way more That's stuff. That's the realities of the West, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Food was getting a little bit sparse at times throughout, but we made it work. I had way more oxen than I needed. I think I finished with seven. I was like, are you kidding me? Why did I buy all these oxen? They're just vibing with me, I guess. Whatever. It was fine. Good um, to have when you reach Oregon. I guess. But here's the issue, though. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm going towards Oregon. I'm making moves. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, I'm getting lost in a blizzard, and it's um, tough. It's like, lose nine days. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's so many days. <laughs> Go back. But it's fine. I made it. So I make it all the way to the penultimate moment where it's like, how do you choose to get to Oregon? Do you want to like take the river or do you want to do this like other dangerous thing? And I was like, I'm going to take the river. Oregon Trail is like mini game time. Pew, 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 pew. Up until this point, all of my people are alive. Um, Felicity broke her leg, which was a bummer, but I was like, she's fine. Walk it off, queen. <laughs> Um, I believe one of them caught, I don't know what, I don't think it was cholera. They got something that was a bummer. It wasn't dysentery. Um, and they lived. I was like, you guys are fine. Your health is mostly good. I'm so nice. Um, and then, yeah, we get towards the end. It's the mini game. I'm in the wagon. The mini game works that you're in your wagon floating on the river and you're trying to avoid rocks. The mechanics are a little confusing. I hit the first rock immediately. <laughs> Felicity, Spud, and Clown. All three of my children die instantly. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, wait, where's my save point? I don't have one. I'm like, God damn it, I'm going to get these other two to Oregon immediately, where they will need grief counseling for sure. Um, I don't know that that's existed. It's fine. I figure out the mechanics of the minigame, and I do get them safely to Oregon. I finish with over 900 points. Um, I could have made the effing leaderboard if I hadn't killed three of my family in one fell swoop that wasn't even luck-based. It was me slamming into... <laughs> like, I drove the wagon into a rock. <laughs> I was so bummed. Um, <laughs> it was a huge disappointment. And I was going to play again, but I was too sad. Losing all three so of your kids is pretty upsetting. I'm sorry. 
it was horrific. Yeah. Oh, God, can you imagine? You're like, do, 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 oops, a rock. And then you turn around and your kids are drowning. <laughs> no, luckily, I can't imagine that yeah, for several reasons. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> no, because if you, if you hit the arrow key, then it just keeps going until you hit the other one to stop it. So yeah, I, I careened my wagon into a rock. Oh, no. I didn't mean to do that. I just hit like one tick, but it was like, <laughs> awful. Yeah, when I was trying to remember if I had ever played Oregon Trail before, like before starting the fic, um, I instead sent myself down a rabbit hole because I was like, there was a game that I was obsessed with in like <laughs> elementary school that was like on the school computers that like a lot of people, we'd just like sit and like, I don't know, recess or whatever, and we'd all play this game. And it took a while, but I found it. It's called Marble Blast Gold. Uh, it came out in 2002. It's like a little platformer game where you're a little marble zipping around and you jump and you have all of these like power-ups and stuff. <laughs> and I watched a couple of YouTube clips because there That's was like a couple cute. versions. It was like, is it this Marble Blast? And I was like, no, that doesn't seem right, but I don't really remember. But then I found YouTube videos of people playing Marble Blast Gold. And I was like, that is absolutely <laughs> it. And it That's did make amazing. me want to go see if that exists on the internet. But I, in, in favor of being responsible, I instead went and played Oregon Trail and then read this but That's perhaps cool. sometime soon I'm gonna go see if I can relive that childhood um memory of mine yeah you should I'd be thrilled for you if you could um I did not replay Oregon Trail I have played it a lot as a child and I played it again like not that long ago within the last few years um I think maybe early why I don't know I think people were like talking <laughs> about an early pandemic or something and I was like let's play Oregon Trail really quick and then it felt very ah! Um, but you know, yeah, it's a tough time. I didn't really feel like I needed the full refresher. Um, so with our, our own journeys of Oregon Trail being completed, um, I want to delve into the fic a little bit more. I am going to spoil it for you. So boo, 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 boo. Um, I would highly recommend just going and reading this right now if you haven't already. Um, and if you're at all interested, again, it's a pretty short 3k. Um, and I think it plays really well on a first initial read without knowing too much. Okay, great. I assume that you've paused and read it and come back or that you said, whatever, Brenna, I'm not interested in reading it. Just get on with it. Um, in which case I am getting on God, with it. Brenna. Okay, fine. <laughs> Jeez, guys. Um, Brenna's going at a grueling pace through this I discussion. Am. I am. Mean, you've set me at a grueling pace and I'm, I'm running as fast as I can across the prairies and hills of the grasslands. Um <laughs> Okay, so the little one-sentence, or I guess it's technically two-sentence summary of this fic is, Hundreds of thousands of people made the journey to Oregon. A long time later, only a few made their way back. Uh, so we start with a few people. We have our unnamed narrator. Um, we have a man named Jonas, uh, a woman named Sarah, and also a kid um, who are making their way from Oregon and the like Willamette Valley back to somewhere towards the east of the United States. At first, it reads very much like Oregon Trail, but as you proceed through and they kind of get to more and more uh, checkpoints, which are using the same ones as the game, um, you're like, this is definitely different. Everyone is so mean. Yeah, everyone, everyone is, is really so mean. mean. <laughs> things are very grim. Yeah, things are much more grim. Our unnamed main character um, does seem to have a paper map of some sort that seems to be based on the original route of or the Oregon Trail, or at least like what exists in this game version of the Oregon Trail. Um, but as our party gets further and further east and they travel, like, we kind of get that they're 
end point is going to be somewhere in Missouri, maybe St. Louis, maybe further. Um, we begin to realize that this is some sort of post-apocalyptic version of our world. Uh, they start to encounter um, the remnants of cities. Our main character notes that there are uh, street signs around. Um, when they reach Missouri uh, and St. Louis, they note that like it was probably originally the size of Portland, but now it's all rubble. Um, and that's where you really are like, oh shit. Oh, and they find a guy who's dead in like a hazmat suit. That's bad news. So that's news. really bad news. Um, I I went to Google. I was like, basically, like, when was Portland, like, named Portland or found? I was like, okay. But I was like, if they're calling it Portland and, like, St. Louis, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, when cities sort of were established to be like, uh, what is up with this goddamn timeline? And then it was literally, like, two sentences after the Portland thing was the guy in the hazmat suit. And I was like, okay, it is <laughs> post-apocalyptic. I do not know when Portland was named Portland. Um, uh, roughly around the same time that the Oregon Trail was happening. So okay. it, it did actually track timeline-wise. That but. makes sense. Um, yes, yeah, so this the story leaves off with uh, Sarah, our main character, and the kid having reached the remnants of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, the bridges over the Mississippi seem to have been demolished, but they are still investigating ways to get further east um, when we leave them. Good luck on the journey. Uh, Jonas did die. We'll talk about that more, I think, probably, because I, I don't know. To say I like that moment is is probably too harsh, but upon a reread especially, I thought it was a very clever moment. Um, I think this fic, especially because it's 3K, it so warrants a reread once you know the twist. Like, there were so many little things similarly to read that I was sort of like, wait, what? And I got this feeling that, like, something bad had happened um, to the East. But once you sort of know and you can reread, you can put so many more things together about how there's sort of, like, a barrier of, like, a line somewhere in the middle of the country that's like keeping people sort of separated from the east and the west there's all these like highwaymen who are like robbers robbers or bandits or something who are like waylaying people our main character mentions at one point when they get to independence rock which i don't actually know where that is um oops whatever uh that they are the first people to make it through in over a decade and you're like haha yikes um so yeah it definitely by the end you have this very different like post-apocalyptic they're all on their own feeling that's Definitely a change from when you're playing Oregon Trail and you're kind of aware that all of these other caravans of people are also making their way out west and that there's all these settlements and different like groups of people that they're going to encounter. Um, this one, it's like they start out with a relatively populous area in Oregon and then just encounter sort of desolation by the end in a very different way than uh, the like colonial settlers going out west in the game or like in American history. Yeah, and one thing I really like too is like we get we get some things that are very much contextualized in kind of the narrative voice of our protagonist. So for example, Jonas's death, right? We get to hear a little bit not only about the death itself, but also about his feelings about it and his guilt and the way it's impacting the family. I don't even want to think about what happened when Felicity Spud and Clown died and like the family that I was trying to get to Oregon, because it's a bummer. But this fic definitely does that. And I think the other piece is not only do we get the narrative of it, and I think even that alone would have been cool, but we also get stats, which is so cool. This is what made me want to play the game first. Um, we get statistics that are directly related to how you are doing on the trail, which you get at the end of every day if you want them. 
uh, and the game Oregon Trail. So they relate to kind of like the the health of your family. They're related to kind of how you're doing your pacing and your rations. These are all things that you can sort of scale or that you're seeing the impacts of your scaling on. I mostly gave my family quite filling rations because I had a lot of food because I started with a lot of money. That kept them in decent health until I murdered them. But <laughs> oh, um, you didn't murder them. It's like involuntary oh, manslaughter or something. I, I just feel like, yeah, yeah like negligence, really. But I felt guilty, yeah. so it couldn't have been murder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I really liked the way that that contributed to the story. Like, I think it added another layer that only could have worked for an Oregon Trail fic. Like, I think we talk about that sometimes, that sometimes it's fun to read a fic that you can read regardless that would fit in any fandom that is sort of the seminal tropey story. And then sometimes it's really fun to read something super niche like this, where this only works in this particular context. And playing the game really helped me there, too, because I was like, oh, shoot, they're down to, like, meager rations or they're down to, like, paltry or whatever it was was the last one um and they're having to really up the pace and stress the oxen like all of that really supplemented the narrative that we're getting and i think allowed the journal entries and the letters and things to feel so much more like they could stay in the world of emotion and stay in the world of story without having to give us every single plot point because we're getting some of that from the formatting yeah, there's one part in particular that really sticks out to me, and it it's very effective reading. I don't know that me speaking about it out loud is going to have the same effect, but I will try anyway. Um, so the group is is planning on continuing to head out after like encountering some other people, and the fic reads, We're leaving tomorrow for Fort Laramie. I know the forts haven't treated us well so far, but the mayor here says we'll be well treated from now on. And you get all of the stats, including like health, good, rations filling, and then it just says, The mayor lied. And the stats go to health, poor, rations, meager. And like, just the back-to-back of the mayor says we'll be well-treated, the mayor lied, would have already been very effective. But to have those stats in between and to see all of these other ways and get all of these other implications of how things have changed is so good and such effective storytelling. And as Nick was saying, like, it could have only been through this fic, this format about Oregon Trail. I think it's really impressive how much those stat blocks carry, like how much weight they hold, because they are so short. <laughs> like they are each just a handful of words, and we gain so much context and information through them each time. Um, I found it surprising how impactful they were in each section. Also, just while I'm thinking about the formatting and part of my going on my little hunt to figure out what on earth was happening with the timeline of this fic... When I started having like suspicions that this was not taking place in the time that the Oregon Trail game was taking place, I scrolled back up to the top to be like, do I have a date? And you don't because you get like October 19th or like September or whatever. But I was like looking for a year and there wasn't one. And I was like, interesting. And then I read like the word pixels and I was like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> and then, yeah, once by the time you get to the like sort of radiation suit, I was like, things are clear. Because, yeah, like it paints a very, very grim picture of the US. And at first I was like, Sure, this makes sense. Like, the Oregon Trail was, like, harrowing and difficult, and that's sort of, like, in part what the game is teaching you, is that it is difficult. You might lose three of your children to a rock in the river, or to, like, dysentery, or whatever it may be. Um, But I was like, the more it went on, the more I was like, everything is really grim and horrible to an extent that feels like, wow, there's not a single nice person to talk to. Nick, as you said, you chatted to people all the time through your game, or whatever it may be. Um, and then getting, yeah, the sort of twist reveal that it's more or less post-apocalyptic. I was like, so clever, so good. 
And even just the choice to run like run through the places backwards mm-hmm. is so smart because it didn't have to be that, right? I think even if they wanted to just say like run in the trail and then you get there and in Oregon everything is really messed up, that could have worked too. But especially after playing the game, there is an uneasiness to unsettling that as well like i'm running through like oh yeah i recognize these spots but i'm like we're going the wrong way and even just that as a narrative choice was really smart yeah i think in terms of sort of like unsettling the vibe of the original game one part i thought was very well executed was when jonas dies and jonas is the brother of whoever our main character is writing letters to we do not have a name of the person who like they are writing to and we do not have a name for our main character (laughs) um but Jonas, like, gets shot, and Sarah, like, has some medical training and seems to be able to help him to a certain extent, but they just have to keep moving and don't have the supplies to, like, help him fully. Um, so they end up burying him, um, and I'm just going to read this little part. His gravesite is marked carefully. We didn't want the butchers to come and dig him up. There's a small marker near the old Oregon Trail by Pacific Creek, Pacific Springs on this old map. We left off his note... We left off his name to avoid attention, but his date of birth is there. You'll know it. The only words we left for strangers, I hope we'll both remember him and scare them away. Died of dysentery. Which, like, the meme joke of Oregon Trail is like, you died of dysentery. And I feel like when I was playing Oregon Trail as a kid, like, you could write whatever you wanted on, like, the gravestones if someone of your party died. And people were always writing, like, silly, jokey shit, you know? And I think to have that change to be such an impactful moment here and the context were given around his death and like particularly like the burial what they needed to do and how they buried him and what they wrote on the gravestone was just like whoa I think that was a that's that happens like uh, maybe a third of the way into the fic and I feel like that was like one of the first moments where I was like okay shit is bad out here like this isn't just like this sort of quote-unquote standard hardships of what the game presents you with for the Oregon Trail or like what we know from history classes of like settlers heading out west um like something else has gone wrong and like things are not good and the fact that you mentioned the map well the the excerpt that you read mentioned the map that's another big point in this fic that they have an old map a bad map a wrong map that people are looking at the map and laughing or trying to help him fix things up um i say him i guess we don't know the gender i assumed it was a woman the whole time and i don't know why (laughs) not really i assumed the opposite i also assumed it was a woman oh wow okay we don't know. Much like our, Ricky in Speed Our gender fluid legend. <laughs> We're making gendered assumptions. I'm so sorry to our we main are. character here. It's okay. Gender fluidity is beautiful. Um, anyway, our protagonist has a bad map. And that is a main point that I think also contributes to the uneasiness and the wrongness. Especially me who just came from the game and was checking the map all the time. I was like, wait, which direction should I go? Okay, am I good? How far am I from this thing? It's such an important touch point as I imagine it was on the OG Oregon Trail, which I did not traverse <laughs> um, because I was not alive yet. <laughs> yeah, shocker. If you yeah. can believe. <laughs> if you can believe it. Um but yeah, I just feel like there are so many tiny choices. We always say this about short fic, like you have to do so much with every single thing you have. And I think this fic totally did that. 
All right, so this is a little bit of a shorter discussion, but it is a little bit of a shorter fic. They packed a lot into the fic, and hopefully we did the same with our chat about it. Um, I would highly recommend this if you have any nostalgia for the game Oregon Trail, um, or if you're just interested in sort of witnessing a fic that I think does a really good job with using gamification elements and a very clever sort of zoom out twist at the end. Nick brought a clown into Oregon Trail with their kid's name, but surprisingly, there's a lack of clowns in Nick's fic about the clown movie. <laughs> Nick? My fic for this episode is, um, in all caps, that's important, Richie Tozier is... Dot, 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 the Comeback Clown by Owl in a Minor and Tiny Person Hotel, who co-wrote this story. This is a fic for it. It, the clown movies and clown book that is it a clown? Maybe we'll talk about that later. It's not really relevant to this fic, though. Our relationship is Eddie slash Richie, and our main character very much is Richie. This is a multimedia story. Um, there are graphics in it that I think are quite fun. It features different podcasts and magazines um, and just a lot of different kind of ways to understand Richie's experience as a comedian and public person in the world. So this is obviously an AU. I shouldn't say obviously. Here's the issue, Ficklets. I haven't seen it. I will never see it or it chapter two. I'm not going to read this book. I don't know anything about it. I found this fic in the bookmarks of an author who was in the bookmarks of the author of a fic that I read and liked. So <laughs> this is how I ended up here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There were kids in part one and they were like, oh, damn, a clown. And they tried to defeat it, but they didn't quite. This is from Reed's summary. I'm giving a worse summary of it than Reed <laughs> gave to me after reading a summary. <laughs> We're doing a our really best. bad game of telephone. It's bad. I'm sorry, uh, we Ficklets. don't know anything about the clown movies. If you and also don't know anything, <laughs> listen to this and then try to explain it to someone else and we'll keep it going. <laughs> okay, so there are kids and they are like, oh, that effing clown, scary. And then the clown is like, stop, 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 stop. Um, and the kids are like, no. <laughs> And then at the end, they're like, oh, we defeated the clown. However, if the clown comes back, we should come back as adults and deal with it again. And then everyone's like, yeah, sounds good. So then in It Chapter 2, they're like, oh, no, a clown's back. Um, so they got to go back as adults, including Bill Hader, um, who plays Richie. And now you know everything you need <laughs> to read this fic. I think that's actually more than you need, I think, if I'm honest, because I read it fine. <laughs> and that's more than I knew when I read this story. Um, okay, so this follows Richie in an AU where he is a comedian. He is very much a public figure. Um, this fic, we'll talk about this a little bit later, felt to me so absurdly accurate to how like public arcs and narratives around figures, including comedians who sometimes behave badly, uh, go in life. I thought that it was really, really voicey in ways that felt accurate to each piece of media that show up. Early on in the story, the arc basically that Richie goes through is uh, we learn, well, we, the audience, the people in the world in this AU learn that he doesn't write his own jokes and he also comes out as gay. So those are kind of the first two pieces of information we're getting about him that are kicking off this PR journey through these different podcasts as a guest and through these magazine articles and interviews and appearances on shows. It's so interesting to me the way that the authors chose to kind of select different pieces of media and how they operate and what's a puff piece and what's critical. So we'll have a lot to say 
as you ficlets know, we have a lot of feelings about fame and persona, and this fic feels so, so perfectly suited to that kind of a discussion. Um, I'm excited to get more into it. I don't know that I really have content warnings for this story. There are some kind of mentions of homophobia, um, but overall, I think it's also a pretty like queer affirming and celebratory story in that particular way. So just know that going in. Um, that is what I have for my little introduction. If you want more on it, you have to go somewhere else, not fix the <laughs> podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, my fellow co-hosts, I almost said my filet co-hosts. That's not what I was trying to say. Are you going to filet us? No, because I was like, ficlets, no. Filet, no. <laughs> it didn't work. No. My fellow co-hosts, what did you think of this story? Yeah, instead of doing my normal thing where like, oh, I'll like look up a fandom before I read the fic. I actually was like nearly at the end of this fic before I decided to read the Wikipedia summaries for it and then it chapter two. So I would also like to second um, Nick in saying that you absolutely can read this fic with no it knowledge. Um, there's probably some references in there to things that would hit better or that you would even just notice if you had watched the movies or read the books, but it really like reads totally fine. Um not really knowing much about it. Um, I thought this is so fun. I mean, we love a multimedia fic. We love a fic that does some funky stuff with its format. Um, again, that is kind of an unintentional through line for all three of our fics this episode. So that is fun. In this fic, there are news articles, there are podcast excerpts, there's like interviews, things like that. Um, and the like the McElroy's were in this for my brother, my brother and me. And I loved that section that hit so well. There are things that like some stuff I didn't know at all. And then some things I've like passing familiarity with. Um, but even for the media formats that I like didn't know, because the other sections like hit so well and felt so like true to the voices of the people they were representing, I kind of was just like taking it on good faith. I was like, yeah, I feel like this fic does a really good job with its characterizations across the board. Again, even for, I don't know, the one podcast that starts out that I was like, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of it, but it was still fun to read. Like it still felt like I could easily imagine like listening to this as a podcast. Um, so that was fun too. I feel like, again, for a fic where so much of it, I did not have like canon knowledge or anything. Um, it was like not hard to root myself in it and like to have a good time with it. I will say glass houses, because I'm aware that when I watch media, very frequently, my favorite boy is the wretched, horrible one that sometimes people don't like. Um, but while reading this fic, I was like, I don't know that Richie is like a fun guy for me to be reading about. I was feeling a little bit the way I was feeling about Nick's fic last episode, where it was like, I these people have a lot of traits that are like d difficult. I don't know. Um, like, I think maybe Richie's particular brand of, like, self-deprecation and sort of the, like, um, edgy comedian humor, even once he's, like, come out as gay and is not doing the, like, straight person edgy humor, was the kind of thing where I was like, I don't, I don't know that I, like, am enjoying him as a character, even though I'm enjoying reading about him and I'm enjoying reading, or, like, the experience of this fic. Anyway, that was kind of a ramble, which is to say that, like, I did enjoy this fic. I thought the multimedia format was very fun and innovative and made it a an easy fic to read, even without some footholds. Yeah, I also have no knowledge of the clown movies, the clown book, the clown anything. Um, I don't like clowns and I don't like horror movies. So it was sort of a perfect setup for something I was never going to engage with. Um, I do know that they have a very popular fandom and I know that Richie is many people's blorbo um, on the interwebs. That's basically the extent of my knowledge. Um, oh, and that he's played 
as the adult version by Bill Hader, who has also become many people's Blorbo. Um, that's the context I have. Um, <laughs> similarly, I think to both my co-hosts, many of the multimedia uh, aspects of this were things I was pretty familiar with. I think the only one I had no knowledge of was the Who Weekly podcast that I don't think any of us really had a familiarity with. Um, but other ones I had a lot of familiarity with, like the Mabimbam section or like I've seen a lot of Billy on the Street clips so like those two in particular are very easy for me to imagine in my brain and I think like as Reed was saying the voices of the other people who are brought into this so like the McElroy brothers or Billy Eichner or Tan France at the end like their voices felt so authentic that it was easy to believe that the Richie voice was also authentic even though I don't know anything about Richie um we love a, like a multimedia fic on this pod. I always think that that's like a great way to approach telling a story. Um, and I thought this one was very cleverly done, especially because we're seeing sort of the rise and fall of Richie, what rise, fall, and then rise again of Richie's <laughs> comedy career. Um, I really liked seeing it through all of these different forms of media um, where we're seeing his interviews and like, I thought it was clever how some of them was more niche pieces of media, like being on Mabim Bam or being on this podcast that I assume is rather more niche. I mean, being on a podcast often is um, versus like he does an interview in like the New York Times. Um, and, you know, do I know if the New York Times interview would really have more readership than a Mabim Bam episode? No. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but in terms of sort of what I think the public thinks of as like big media outlets, we sort of have... A whole run of the gamut here, which I really enjoyed in terms of being able to sort of see how the public perception of our main character changed. Um, I think similarly to Reed, I struggle a little bit with Richie as a character. I didn't know entirely if I was supposed to like him or not. <laughs> I know he's many people's blorb, so I was like, I think I'm probably supposed to. And maybe this would read really differently if I was already really attached to Richie, but like coming in with no knowledge of him or no attachment to him or any of the other characters from it, like I just had to go based on what he was doing here. And I was like, I don't know that I'd be a fan of his if he was real, but I have to say, I am, I don't know that there's almost any male comedian that I am a fan of. Male comedians aren't really a thing I'm into. Um, I find most of them unpleasant. <laughs> So, you know, that was a bad foot for Richie to start off on in terms of me liking him. Um, so, you know, I just sort of, ha I vibe, I vibe my way through it. Um, but I also find that sort of an interesting layer because usually when I'm reading something about sort of the trials and tribulations of a main character going through fame, um, I'm like very much on the side of our main character. So it's kind of interesting to be a little bit more removed and like to kind of witness this almost more like I would if this was actually happening to Richie or like, let's say to like Bill Hader, who I also like don't have any feelings about. I was kind of imagining as Bill Hader because like <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any like emotional attachment to that guy. I don't think he's bad. I just like feel completely bland about him. <laughs> um, so if this was all happening to him, I think I'd be like very up and down, like with what the media was showing me. So that was kind of an interesting reading experience on my part. Yeah, this just all feels so real. I feel like I could pick up any of these pieces of media and they could exist. And I think part of that is like the likability factor of like who 
who are we supposed to be sort of believing about Richie? What do we get from his words? What do we get from like this whole like gamut that he's running through different medias? Um, I do want to mention too for listeners who have not read this that the tone I would say overall is pretty humorous. Kind of counts that he's a comedian, especially early on. There are some parts. Um, I would like to read just a little bit of two sections that are back to back from one another. The first one I'll read is from Us Weekly, Tuesday, September 12th, 2016. Following the cancellation of his Pull My Finger tour, comedian Richie Tozier was spotted buying Lactaid and Claritin at Whole Foods in Beverly Hills. So good. Immediately followed by his interview in the New York Times, um, which is called Sorry About the Cursing. The real Richie Tozier talks recent gigs, his writing process, and being himself. Again, very real headline there. In August, you admitted to not writing your own stand-up material. How has this affected your relationships with other comedians? Well, the ones who didn't like me before are pretty happy I'm not getting paid anymore, so I've made some new friends. Like, it's very jokey through a lot of it. There are some moments that I think are a little bit more emotional or, like, sentimental, especially as we get into the long-form profile later on that includes info about Eddie, who I think does come off very sympathetic in this story. Um, And they are husbands. Congrats to the Reddists. Is that what they're called? The Readiers. The Ready or Nots in the audience. <laughs> oh, Ready or Nots is good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like cute. Yeah, yeah, huge win. Um, so that and like a lot of the um, media or like a lot of the platforms that he goes on or that are mentioned in this story are also humor, comedy. It all makes sense. And like, I just think the authors were so smart in every single thing they chose because this just so one of the reasons I brought this is because we talk about RPF a lot and this feels like I could write fic of this you know what I mean like this Mm -hmm. could be the real thing that's happening in the world and then I could go write my little story about it as opposed to it being the little story about clowns and then turning into this on AO3 Oh, wait, I also want to say really quick, it's actually, I think it might be implied the clown stuff did happen in the past in this AU. Is it because- Or at least that it, like, could have? He mentions clowns as, like, a specialization. Yes, Which, but doesn't I elaborate. was desperately curious about the clowns in this Yeah. Um, Maybe something I went clowning. in assuming that we'd have a guest appearance from Pennywise the Clown, <laughs> the clown entity, um, uh-huh. because- it's an it fic but i also guess that there's probably a lot of it fic that doesn't deal with the clown um because writing about the clown is probably exhausting i don't know i'm just sort of putting my own feelings <laughs> upon the, the fandom it's probably exhausting. i don't know he's like a freaky little dude um <laughs> i mean fandom loves a freaky little dude but <laughs> approximately 30 seconds before launching into this discussion when i was filling my co-hosts in i told them that he has like a real form but also maybe a spider form i don't know again this is from the wikipedia and we did google it and we did all hate that so if i was so in the bad. it fandom i also would not want to write about the clown in his clown form or his spider form or maybe any other forms he has but like where was the clown in this fic i was excited <laughs> um i hate clowns but i was excited um yeah so i was very curious about the fact that like it's mentioned at least once if not a couple times in the fic that richie has a specialty in clowns. that's why he gets brought on the bim bam is as their clown expert right and then when justin was like haunted doll watch i was like oh my god (laughs) clown time is it gonna be like pennywise in a little clown form (laughs) it wasn't um that's my gripe (laughs) the thing that prompted me to go look at the wikipedia is like towards the very end of the fic it mentions that he 
um, like Richie goes back to Derry, Maine for a family emergency for like three months, which I was like, okay, this obviously has to be referencing the like adult was it Losers Club or whatever they're called? The adults coming back to deal with the clown. So I was like, oh, maybe if I like skim read the Wikipedia, it will elaborate on more clown references in this fic. But as Brenna said, I, apart from him being a clown expert, like I'm Nick, I'm curious as to why you think Pennywise canonically happened in this universe, because I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm just like, why else would he be a clown expert? It's literally an it fic. Like the clown is it's like it's right a, there. Maybe it was just like a haha nudge joke to the fact that it is an it fic um so he should be a clown expert it could be like uh the book the rest of us just live here by patrick ness where instead of being part of like the the hipster crew that is involved in all the weird shit in the woods he's just like one of the other students at the school who's like that seems weird but i'm not getting involved (laughs) and that's why it's like divergent doesn't deal with pennywise (laughs) he's like other people too (laughs) it's like oh no thanks (laughs) the smarter move i mean i don't have any evidence that he opted in in the movie (laughs) to be fair but maybe this time he opted out yeah no we have no idea what happened in the movie (laughs) we truly don't we cannot stay (laughs) yeah i just want to briefly say the the bim bam parts were cracking me up in parks that is what i was most familiar with um and then like obviously we get a reference to griffin's little clown box that he abandoned him yeah i abandoned my boy that meme it was really good i was like waiting for it and i was glad that that paid off um but i wanted to shout out nick i have a little bit lost the plot in my brain you had been talking about fame and then we deviated into clowns but i was gonna go back to fame and i don't remember what this connection like what you said that sparked me thinking about this but one of the pieces of media that we get is a like long form vanity fair article as nick said it gets into eddie as well um and part of the article reads we live in an age now in which a celebrity is not quite a person This has always been true, of course, since long before the invention of tabloids, but it is especially true now. The Richie Tozier who smiles and cracks jokes in YouTube clips is not the Richie Tozier who walks the dog with his fiancée and takes blurry photos of LA sunsets. Yet rather than bemoaning this divide, attempting to show fans the real him, Tozier leans into it. His persona, that scrappy gay comedian, is neatly packaged and projected outwards. Not marketed, per se, but extended. Um, And then it goes into some other stuff as well, but... I just found that so interesting because, as you all should be experts on at this point, we love talking about fame and celebrity and those narratives, but most of the time when we're talking about it, we're talking about it from, like, an RPF lens, and it's the sort of, like, what do you get to keep for yourself and what don't you? And I thought this was interesting both because it's not RPF, it's about a fiction. I almost said fictional clown man, he's not the clown, but whatever. It's about a- (laughs) Ooh, Vanity Fair profile on Pennywise. (laughs) Pennywise Sorry. spotted at Whole Foods buying lactate and Claritin. <laughs> yeah, that's their next. Um, that's their next feature. But clowns—they're just like us. So Pennywise, thanks for coming on with Bim Bam. <laughs> Are you excited for Haunted Doll Watch? <laughs> I'm sorry, Reed, you were saying something real and then we took it, we took it away I mean, from you. I mean, I, that's kind of, I feel like, how this discussion is going because none of us have the, maybe, like, the knowledge of the, the somberness of the It movie. Anyway, um... No, I just thought it was interesting to think about it from a sort of non-RPF lens, but also this sort of intentional leaning in. Because again, I think a lot of our discussions, at least in, I don't know, the past couple of RPF fics we've talked about, have talked about the sort of the lack of choice in what you get to share. And for sure, that must happen to the Richie of this world too. But this sort of intentional leaning in, this intentional, here is my comedian persona that you get, 
um, and that being explicitly stated by Vanity Fair, I just thought was like an interesting lens to the whole celebrity fame thing that did feel kind of different from the other ways that we've been talking about celebrity and fame on the podcast recently. I feel like this also shows how many layers there often are when you're sort of talking about the personas of famous people. Like, I think Vanity Fair or Rolling Stone or any of these other sort of magazines that do these longer form profiles of celebrities, in the ones that I've read, and I am by no means an expert, but there is often this feeling of like, we know that this person has a famous persona, but we're giving you a little peek behind the curtain of what's real. And it's like, okay, but you're still Vanity Fair or like Rolling Stone or whatever. So like, are you? Or is this just the concept of a peek behind the curtain? Um, I don't know. I was thinking about this in comparison to, I don't. I think it was a Rolling Stone profile of Harry Styles that I absolutely hated um, because it was like, I feel like the person who's writing it was just very like on their little high horse about getting a peek into the real side of Harry. And I was like, I think this is still just what he's choosing to show you and what he wants published in Rolling Stone. Um, so I was thinking about that as well with like, what is Richie choosing to show on these? And I thought it was interesting to have, again, the sort of juxtaposition between the more like traditional publishing side of like Vanity Fair or New York Times or anything like this, where you're sitting down with an interviewer versus the much more casual sort of like, it's supposed to be friendly, just pals hanging out of like Mabim Bam or Billy on the Street or anything like that. But like, they're all still... Like, are we ever really seeing how the person would genuinely interact with their friends? Or are we always seeing some form of what they're willing to show the public? Yeah, and in that vein, it makes sense that the fic then ends on, I think, what is meant to be the realist of all of them, which is just a random clip of someone handing him this book. Um, this is very. This feels very true to like Tumblr teens latching on to random comedian man. Um, <laughs> and like this book of people like writing their thank yous and art and like you know how they give to celebrities and are like this is like all the fans like thoughts and things and he seems very genuinely touched by it and i think this is meant to be our most genuine moment of the story this fic takes place over like three-ish years i think um from the beginning of his arc towards the end of the story where we see and like i think we're meant to see an arc of growth in richie it's just interesting especially as three pretty skeptical media critical lads like how we're kind of interpreting and understanding the ways that he is changing and also the ways that media about him is changing and the kinds of things that he's choosing to do or say the perspectives he's taking um i do want to note that the i think comments had a slightly different take on this not take necessarily takeaway perhaps that many of them found this to be primarily a very like heartwarming story specifically around richie's character development and the relationship the ready ship if you will, um, which we just don't have any context for. So I want to note that if you're if you're an it fanatic um, and you want to go read this, um, you may get what we got out of it, and you might also get these other pieces too. Also, someone referred to it as a fix it fix, so I I'm choosing to believe it is indeed <laughs> their clown is around. The clown is on the prowl. Well, ho- hopefully by this point the clown is dead, dead because that's what he went back to Maine to do. I don't know. We don't know. We just don't know how the clown operates. And and um, frankly, we don't need to. <laughs> I did enjoy, even with my sort of questioning of how I'm supposed to feel about Richie, it was interesting to sort of see his coming out narrative because it did feel a little bit more nuanced and balanced than sometimes like the coming out narratives of like celebrities and like RPF fic do. Because I don't know, it's very different, I think, to be like, okay, this slightly under the radar, like up and coming one Netflix special kind of comedian 
having a scandal and then coming out as gay feels different than like when you're reading a fic and like Harry Styles comes out as gay. Um, like those people are on just different levels of fame and popularity and scrutiny. Um, so it felt more realistic to me that like Richie could sort of have this narrative and like have this like private life with Eddie and like still manage to also have a public career as a gay comedian. Um, I enjoyed how that arc was handled um, in this fic. I think the author did, or the authors did it very responsibly um, and crafted a narrative that like I could see genuinely happening in real life. And the kinds of media that they showcase that Richie chooses to like engage with or participate in does shift over time in a way that I really like. Like the Vanity Fair article is also largely about him and his husband. He's on the show with Tan France. He's on the show with Billy Eichner. All of those are on the later portion of the story. So I think there is like a really interesting like spotlight and emphasis on queerness in non-obvious ways that you have to pick up on as the reader too, which I loved. And I do think the build towards the sort of queer... I don't know, catharsis or acceptance. Um, it Like, the build works in this fic. Again, even as, like, people who did not have an investment in the ship or the character, like, we didn't have that, like, fandom basis. Um, right before the giving of the book that Nick was talking about, you get an Emmy Awards acceptance speech that is also, like, very sweet, where, you know, Richie dedicates it to his 13-year-old self and to the gay kids out there oh, and to his yeah. husband. Yeah, I, maybe I'll just read a little bit of it because it's sweet. Yeah. I told these stupid jokes because I thought, nobody wants to see what's underneath. Only it turns out someone does. A lot of people do, I guess, because here I am. So this, this is for 13-year-old Richie, and all the kids out here like him. And this is also for Eddie. Eddie, my husband, who gave me the courage to write my own jokes, and do my own dishes, and open the blinds when I get up in the morning, and walk up on the stage when I called my name, and, and everything in between. I love you, Eds. Thank you. That was really sweet, and that did get me in my queer feelings, and it felt, like, earned by the fic, even for a fic that was very humorous and whatever. I think that build up and that the arc that he has worked really well. Yeah, and I think my my last point on this story, at least, is, like, and I saw this in a lot of comments, too, that there is something really special about queer narratives about, or, like, about media or about places where queerness is not normalized where it is like dangerous or like difficult to grow up in that kind of environment i don't know how stephen king handled this at all frankly in the book it um probably in a way <laughs> but i really <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> but i do think yeah there is that added layer too we've talked about this with other stories too a month of sundays comes to mind which we discussed a while back that's a hockey rpf fic um, that specifically does deal in like queerness and homophobia and acceptance and openness and like finding a way for the truth of your heart to move forward, even in a place that is hostile to that. A lot of this story takes takes place as much as a multimedia story can take place at any one location uh, in Los Angeles, I think. So yeah, he's like in Beverly Hills and things and we bounce around a bit, but I don't know, knowing where the source material is set and seeing a lot of commenters mention like, yeah, like this acceptance of and celebration of queerness about a person who is from a place that just is so small and potentially hostile. I, I don't know. I don't know this place. I haven't read it again. I cannot disclaim enough that I don't know what I'm talking about. However, I think the overarching point remains that there is something really special about being able to tell each other these kinds of stories. So this is our discussion of Richie Tozier is the Comeback Clown, which is such a fun title to say, by the way. I've really enjoyed every time I've gotten to say it um, and putting it into our spreadsheet. It looks hilarious next to all the other <laughs> titles. 
novels. <laughs> Huge fan. Thank you, authors. Um, a very fun story that you can read with or without context uh, based on my experience. Um, and that I think just utilizes its format so, 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 so well. All right, enough clowning around. Read. Yeah, so my fic this episode is It Walks Among Us by Strange Hunger. The fandom is She-Ra. Uh, the pairing is Catradora. It is an Among Us AU. Okay, here's the thing. I want to give you the setup for this fic, but it's hard to talk about it without also spoiling some things. Um, and it was a really, really fun experience, I think. So let me just give you some a couple preface things to see if you might be interested in reading. And if you are... Uh, same thing with Brunswick. I'm really going to recommend you like pause or come back to this discussion later. Um, it's six and a half K. So it's, it is also a short fic. And again, I just think like hits well without having being spoiled for it. So I am going to assume you probably have heard of Among Us, but in case you haven't, it's a like murder mystery game that I don't know actually if it came out in 2020, but exploded um, sort of in the summer of 2020. Um, in which you play as a little character and you're on some sort of a space station or a space planet and you do little tasks and if you do all of your tasks, um, you win. But there are a number of people, one or two generally, who are imposters and they are going around trying to murder people. And if the imposters murder everyone, either before you finish your tasks or before you figure out who the imposters are and like kick them out, um, then the imposters win. So there's like little meetings where you get together and you discuss like, oh, well, like this person found the body, but this person was seen like by the lights area where you can sabotage things. Sus. They're, they're sus. Yeah. Um, so I guess like with that, my content warning for the fic would be um, murder. Um, and just sort of that, like, again, it is based off of like a murder game. It is both a serious fic and also a humorous one and sort of things at the end, I think, really lighten the fic as a whole. Um, I do not know literally anything about She-Ra apart from the, like, go lesbians, we love it. Um, people love Catradora. Um, I am saying this so that you know, much like Nick's fic, I think this is fairly readable with, like, no She-Ra knowledge. Um, honestly, I feel like you probably need more knowledge of Among Us because you might be a little bit lost if you don't know how the game works. You don't need to know a ton, but, like, it is taking a video game mechanic and making it sort of like literal um, in a lot of ways. And I think it is easier to follow if you have some familiarity with that. The ficlets have so much homework. Go play Oregon Trail. Go play Among Us. Watch the clown movie. <laughs> I mean, we assign ourselves a lot of homework. Yeah, now it's your turn. It's time for them That's to do true. some. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, I've given you the preface. Go read the fic. It was a lot of fun. Okay, now I'm going to spoil it a little bit um, just for the sake of our discussion. So when the fic starts out, it is set on, like, one of the planets from Among Us, and it does seem like it is just, like, the characters in this world, like, made real. Um, and then, like, after the first murder, you start getting um, chats, and I was like, interesting, that is, like, fully a game mechanic. And I was like, I, hmm, that's kind of fun. What's going on here? And the chats are so goofy and lighthearted compared to what's happening in yeah, the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and felt like very true to the experience of playing Among Us with your friends and being like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Um, and then we get back into the world of Among Us and more people are getting murdered and it's all serious. Um, and then it zooms all the way out at the end and it is a friend group playing Among Us. So it is just the characters as like, I assume, I don't know, modern AU hanging out, playing this game on their phone or their laptops or whatever. Um, which was very fun, a fun little twist. I also liked that both Bren and I's fix did a sort of like zoom out twist ending type of thing. Um, 
But yeah, so I guess that's what I mean by like serious themes, but then made lighter by context. Sorry, that was a lot of me talking. I had so, so, so much fun with this fic. This uh, is an author we brought to the pod before. Nick brought a locked tomb fic that was a um, like secret Santa AU. And that fic was so funny. And I think remembering that that fic is also one that I'd read by this author really clarified. I was like, yeah, I had a, just a blast with this. This author is just very talented and I think very good with their humor. Um, so I really liked it. My co-hosts who also have not watched She-Ra, what did you think reading this fic? Yeah, I also know very little about She-Ra. I feel like it was one of those things where I was like, I should watch this. And then I never watched it. And then it ended. And then I was like, okay, missed my chance to do that. Um, <laughs> which like isn't true, but I feel like that's somehow sometimes how my brain operates, um, especially like with stuff that gets pretty popular online. Um, I feel like this fic honestly made me more interested in She-Ra than I have been in a while. Um, it was so cute and, which is a strange thing to say about a fic where people get murdered, but I don't know, it was just really charming. I liked the characters a lot. I felt like their dynamics were really, like, engaging and I felt curious about what they would be like in canon. Um, I definitely agree with Reed. I think having knowledge of Among Us is more important than having knowledge of She-Ra here. I also got a little bit lost with usernames and there are probably some things that like I missed about like in character like moments and stuff that might you might pick up on if you knew more about She-Ra, but it was still totally readable and enjoyable. Um, but I think if you haven't ever played Among Us, you might get a little bit lost. Um, I haven't played it in a long time, but you just need to know like the basic mechanics of it, which I think a lot of people do at this point. Um, yeah, I really liked the zoom out moment. I had a feeling that something wonky was going on, but I didn't really know what it was, mostly because the chats seem so different than what's happening around you. Like the main narration is basically that Katra is on this like outpost space station place with Adora and all of these other characters who I assume are like their friends or whatever in canon. Um, and they're basically doing their things around the space station like you do in Among Us and then someone dies and then they have to like vote on who the imposter is. And I was like, how is there a freaking imposter in canon? Like they just send these people out to the space station knowing that there's going to be someone <laughs> who kills them. And like, why can only the imposter travel through the vents? And like, I was like, this, <laughs> I'm just going to go with it, I guess. Like something will be revealed. Um, and then obviously the reveal is that it zooms out and they are just playing Among Us, which was... I think the most logical explanation <laughs> for the questions that I had. Um, I also enjoyed that both Reed and I's fix again had that kind of zoom out moment. I think that that's, I don't know, I want to touch back on sort of that and like the playing with video game mechanics in fan fiction. I also liked how in all three of our fix, even though mine was OC characters, it is sort of like you're seeing how these characters interact with each other and you're getting a large perception of them through these sort of other media forms. Um, like here we're kind of seeing their interactions based on how they would interact in Among Us, which is like a game that pits you against all of your close friends. <laughs> um, in Nick's, we obviously were seeing Richie through all these other multimedia forms. In mine, we were seeing our characters sort of through this form of these journal entries. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was a cool through line. And something that we like to talk about a lot, I think, on FitClick, like how an author or authors are showing us parts of a character and like the creative ways that people can do that within fan fiction. Yes. I liked this so much. One of my favorite things is that it kicks off with our main characters in an established relationship. 
on this space station. It's very fun to see kind of the way that they interact with one another, the setup for everything. Like, it's so goofy and not. And I love that in a story. I love when an author is like committing to a bit so hard and just goes for it. Um, I thought that was really sweet. I think that Katra and Adora were both like given a lot of love and attention in this fic in terms of characterization. And that was great because I was like, I don't know these girls. <laughs> so getting to know them a little bit better was nice. And they very much are the center of this story. We got glimpses of other characters. I didn't feel like I super duper needed desperately to know who everybody was. So that was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of echoing what my co-host said about first impressions, the fun of it, the chats, the the drama of it all. I definitely have things to say about what we could consider the climax of this story, kind of in the main universe, well, the Among Us universe, I should say, um, and how those choices are made and how that goes, how the mechanics play into it. I think it was just well-conceived, well-executed, and like got in and got out. 6.5k felt like the exact <laughs> right amount of words for this story, and I appreciate that as well. Yeah, I think something that made this fic work so well for me is like, uh, Nick, you had said in like pre-discussion that the prose has a really genuine cant to it. Um, and I liked so much that we're, when we're having these scenes on Polis, which is the like space planet outpost thing, it is all very like real. You're getting all of these like world building descriptions of how this team has been here for years and like half the year the planet is in sunrise and half of it it's in dark. So they have like celebrations for like when the sun comes up or like the last day of sunlight or like the last day of winter and that whole thing. Um, you get all of these memories like the first murder that happens when they meet in the control room catchers looking at photographs on the wall of them as like baby faced cadets. It's It's all of this like implication of history and you're getting the sort of the minutia of some of the tasks that they're doing um and yeah i think as bren alluded to like i am always really interested in video game fic and seeing how like an author chooses to literalize or not literalize mechanics um so like references in the fic to hey like our comm system is down and that's weird as a person who's played among us i was like he 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 the imposter is sabotaging things but it was fun to read it from the pov of like scientists on a space station who are suddenly like kind of worried that they can't get in contact with other people um so you have this like again it's not like serious serious as in like i don't know somber but you have this like genuine setting and like world building going on and then the cutout to people being like you're the imposter no you were being sus was like a oh my god tone shift what's happening but made it i think even like all the more fun for it um and made that zoom out like really satisfying i don't know i think yeah, I feel like the choices that this fic made were deliberate and clever and well done. Mm -hmm. There's an earnestness to the narration on the space station that I just love, like throwing all of the emotions into it. It made me like Katra a lot too as a character with and without the zoom out, knowing like she's playing her little game, but some part of her mind is like imagining this very dramatic, fully fleshed out world where like her, um, her girlfriend... Can I spoil a twist? Is uh, it we've already early? spoiled stuff. Go for it. Nah, go for it. Beep, 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 spoilers. This is your last call. Go read the fic. What are you doing? Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, just berating the ficlets um, as we do on this show. So her her like creepy imposter alien girlfriend that she's like obsessed with. She doesn't know this. Um, 
in real life or on the space station. But there's just something so charming about that. And it made me love being in her head specifically because I was like, okay, if this if she's the kind of character or the kind of person or the kind of cat hybrid, I don't know. I don't know, Shira. She has ears. I saw it in the fan art. So yeah, if, but if that's the kind of character that she is, then it makes me so glad that we're in her head for this kind of a story because yeah, it was it was deeply charming. Yeah, to go back a moment to what Reed was saying about like the literalization of video game mechanics, I think it's really interesting in both Reed's fic for this episode and mine. Like, these are not the big, expansive, like op- more open world video games that we've talked about before. Like when we've talked about like Legend of Zelda or something like that, where the characters have a lot of room to move and navigate within their world. Like these are both very short kind of closed world games. Um, And each one sort of repeats a cycle. Like you can keep playing Among Us, you can keep playing Oregon Trail and you can make different choices, but you always have the same end goal and the same things kind of play out. So it's sort of like, what do you do with that as a fic writer to make it new or interesting? Um, Because you can't easily just send your characters off in a different direction in this world. Like you could, but I I enjoyed the directions that both of these fics took in terms of the twists that they used to sort of differentiate uh, the what happens in these stories from like what happens when you're actually just playing the games. I like that in both you sort of have this zoom out moment at the end where you can recontextualize everything that's been happening and like the little hints and the things that didn't add up previously. Um, I also just like that in media where at the end or there is some sort of reveal or twist where you can put pieces back together and see the picture that you weren't seeing before. Um, I don't know. I just found it really interesting that both of these did that in such a different way, but also kind of use a very similar mechanic um, to reveal something new about their relatively like limited scope of the world that they were initially playing in. I do want to get into the um, Adora imposter thing that Nick referenced, because I thought that was very fun. So when the fic opens, like Ketra's in bed and Adora keeps being like, don't get out of bed, like stay here, like snuggle with me. And like, very early on, it says something like Catra's like can think of like one or two instances total where Adora has ever like lingered in bed. And I was like, uh oh, bestie, that's the imposter. Your girlfriend's acting strange and out of character. Um, but as Nick said, for being in Catra's like point of view, it, it kind of makes sense like why she wasn't suspecting of Adora. And it was like really fun to be in that POV. Like I fully bought that she was not suspicious of Adora, even though Adora was like, hey, babe, stay put in the lab and don't move and don't and I'm telling you, don't move, but I'm gonna go places. And I was like, you're gonna get murdered. Um, And then spoilers, um, towards the end of the fic, Catra in game walks in on a dead body and Adora walks over and Catra's like, Adora, I know what this looks like, but I promise it wasn't, and then gets shanked. But I think, Nick, you described it as like one of the most romantic (laughs) murder scenes you've ever read. By a lot. Yeah. I don't know how many romantic murder scenes I've read maybe ever, but this is, this would be one of them for sure. Um, I liked it so much. Like, I liked the way that scene played out. And also like, even though, again, from, like, I don't know, paragraph four, I was like, Adora is one of the imposters, it, like, did not make it any less satisfying or fun or impactful to get to the scene where um, Adora does murder Catra. Because Catra's the last one left, not that she realizes it. And once Adora kills her, she wins the game. Um, and then the little zoom, like, that is where you get the full zoom out, because it's, like, 
defeat She-Ra was an imposter exit game and then it cuts to did you just kill me you killed me and then she's like tackling her girlfriend and like shoving her face into a pillow and it's so cute and good I don't know I liked all of that so much yeah I have to talk about the murder scene are you kidding me do you know the song um I just died in your arms by cutting crew I just died in your arms tonight oh yes it must have been something you said yeah that's what I had in my head as I was reading this um Wow. Catra down horrendous. Down as horrendous <laughs> as anyone could possibly be on Polis, the space planet where she dies in Among Us. So the scene basically goes, yeah, she walks in, she sees that Adora doesn't have her helmet on and is like, that's weird, but oh well. And you're like, oh, you're in trouble, girly. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, she does get stabbed. The blade appears to have some kind of a numbing agent on it because she's just like, that's weird. I guess I'm dying now. <laughs> But it's so, wow. She's like, oh, but Adora is so beautiful. Like, I can't even be mad. Like, oh, if I was going to die everywhere, I guess it's better that it's like at her hand in her arms. Adora is saying all of these like really sweet, horrible things. Like, I told you to stay put. Like, I wish it didn't have to be like this. And Catra's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, I understand. <laughs> you look beautiful, by the way. Like, it's so, Wow. A powerful sapphic moment. This is this is for the Killing Eve fans, I think. Like, um, I just loved it. <laughs> to die in Adora's arms, the face of the person she loved the most in the entire universe, the last sight she ever saw. Catra could have had many other deaths. This one wasn't so bad. Hell yeah, romance. <laughs> it's so romantic. I just love it. And it fits in with the earnestness of the rest of the story. Like, it's kind of funny that she is so like, wow, my girlfriend murdered me. And that's so cool of her. <laughs> and it's like so tender, weirdly in the moment. And then, yeah, we get to zoom out. We see the goofiness and the chaos that is happening IRL as they are putting their phones down and kind of yelling at each other. I was also... um because Nick and I lived together for the back half of 2020 when Among Us was really popular and we played many games of Among Us with friends. And like, I was fully thinking of some of the times where like, I don't know, Nick was the imposter and killed me. And then I'm just sitting on my laptop glaring at them from across the room, trying to do my little ghost tasks. And I like can't say anything in chat. And I'm like, I can't believe you. And you're like, hee hee hee. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do in this cold world. Yeah. I also, I just need to shout out, um, because I thought it was incredibly funny, the other imposter who is Scorpia. Um, oh, poor Scorpia. I really got a sense of her character in this. <laughs> like, you're, you're in the, like, in polis scene, and they found a body, and Scorpia's like, I found the body, and she's crying, and they're like, what happened? And she was like, I, I came out of the vent, and there he was, and everyone was like, what the fuck did you say? And it cuts back, and everyone is, like, <laughs> screaming, key smashing in chat, and immediately voting. It's like, Sierra has voted, Catra has voted, Glim has voted, everyone's voting, and Scorpia's like, what, what's, what's going on? And they're like, babes, babes, only the imposters can vent. <laughs> <laughs> it really cracked me up and also again felt very like i don't know true like that's happened before people have absolutely been like i did this thing and it's like you can't do that unless you're the imposter so that was very fun yeah i remember the like the first couple of times i played among us i had no fucking clue what was going on and i was playing with people who'd played a bunch and i kept just messing up terribly because i would like say stuff that i wasn't supposed to say and i didn't know how to lie and i didn't know the strategies and i was really bad at it so i liked the part um Later on, where Catra's like, what happened to you being bad at this game? I practiced. You practiced? Catra repeated, okay, nerd, is that why you've been on your phone so much? Were you running around on free play for hours? 
yes. <laughs> like, what a vibe. I don't know. It just, like, really made me like the two of them. And like I said, like, it made me much more interested in, like, picking up the show at some point because I found all the characters so charming and, like, I wanted to know more about their dynamics and, like, who they are in canon and stuff. And I love, too, that the fic ends. So you get this, like, scene with Catra and Adora where Catra's like, I can't believe you murdered me. And then they're, like, kissing, and it's very sweet, and we love this for them. And the very last bit is just the chat where their friends are like, hey, you guys want to do another game? Adora? Catra? And they're like, god damn it. They are being gay <laughs> again. again. I can't believe this. Like, I can't stand them. I just thought that was such a good way to end the fic. Yeah, we have two fics that emphatically said gay rights, and we have one fic that emphatically said dysentery is dangerous. <laughs> and I think that's the perfect ratio for any fic click episode. Absolutely. I also wanted to shout out, um, I just really loved this, in the ending author's notes, the author mentions that um, Polis's Long Winters are a shout out to an Antarctica AU, presumably for Catra Dora, that somebody else had written. And that like Catra's A necklace that she wears is part of sort of like, a, I think, like a modern AU that an artist does on Twitter. I thought that was so lovely. I love a little interconnected fandom moment. And I love that like... I knew there were things in the fic that I was missing that were references to She-Ra canon, but I absolutely love that there were just references to, like, in-fandom things and, like, other fandom works. That made me feel very, like, warm and soft. I did go and find some of the fan art that was being referenced. Um, at first, I was struggling because I couldn't find it in the author's, like, art moments because I think it was kind of a while ago because uh, this fic was published in, I think, 2020. Um, so I searched the word Catra on the author's Twitter account, and I did find it. It was very cute. It was good art, um, and they were very sweet, and it was really nice, even though it was after I read the fic, to have a visual for the characters that I had been joyously reading about. And that was when I was like, oh, Catra, I understand. I see the the cat vibes. I feel like I knew this vaguely from some other fan art I had seen, but I was reminded. Okay, actually, addition to what I was just saying... Um, we were just briefly scrolling through the comments and I saw someone say, first of all, this cracks me up. They say, I just came out of the vent and, and then in a separate comment, here's the fan art that helped me find this fic. And I was like, oh ho. And I clicked and there is in fact fan art for this specific Among Us AU. So now I'm really just feeling like, I know last, I, last episode I mentioned Ouroboros, but I'm once again feeling like fandom Ouroboros of like, oh god, <laughs> makes fic based on the show and then puts in references to other people's fic and art and then someone makes art of the fic and then it goes in like this lovely little fandom circle. This is so fun. Yeah. I will make a fandom Ouroboros sticker for you, Reed. Does that, I'm sorry, does that count as vor, do you think? In what? <laughs> Well, this I like don't eating? think the people in fandom who are doing this, it counts. But I think when we talk about the Ouroboros, if it's visualized as a snake eating its own tail, then yeah. Okay. But it's self-war. Is yeah, like... Self-cannibalism? Right? Like, is a key auto aspect of vor... Auto, sorry, auto-cannibalism, you're right. I think that's a like, word, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems right. Like, is a key <laughs> right. aspect of vor that, like, it has to be about someone else? Because then, yeah, wouldn't it just be auto-cannibalism? I was going to say I feel bad for the author that we're doing this, but their but like, handle is literally strange hunger. So it actually feels <laughs> does fine. This, does the snake like actually eat itself, you know? Or is it just like, ang, like a golden retriever with like, an I've egg? I've always kind of been imagining it just as like, <laughs> <"Eng."> <laughs> I think 
same. Because if like, why would it eating actually... it, then you would like then you wouldn't have anything to hold on to. But then it's described usually as a snake eating its own tail. It's not like a snake going ang to its own tail, you know? Right, because that sounds bad and dorky. It's not like a snake <laughs> nibbling on its own tail. <laughs> it's just supposed to be like the infinity. Like it is always there is always more. It's always happening. There's always more snake to be consumed. <laughs> uh-huh. AO3 user Strange Hunger, you wrote a very fun <laughs> fic that we all really liked. I'm sorry that we have gone a little bit off the rails at the end of this discussion. You don't need to be sorry. Well, I, I am. Great it's fic. the fic Catchadora, gay rights. Catchadora, gay rights. Get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Women in STEM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think before this discussion goes any more off the rails, I too am going to wrap this up here. Um, (laughs) If you couldn't tell from our discussion, all of us just really had such a good time. This is such a good, fun, funny, clever fic. I feel like I'm just reusing the same words, but that is because that is how I feel about it. Um, Thank you to this author for so perfectly capturing, I feel like, the vibes of Among Us with your friends and then also like literalizing them in a way that was delightful to read. Um... And for giving me some really delightful Catradora. I feel like this is a fandom I've sort of been like, yeah, peeking on the outside of for a while. I did the same thing as Brenna where I was like, so many people like this. Maybe I would like this. And then I just, I didn't get into it. Um, Like I never tried. So I kind of am glad that I tried with this fic because it was a really good time and I loved it a lot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. As ever, we had an effing blast. I can say we had a fucking blast. I guess we're an explicit podcast recording this and talking about fan fiction. So thank you so much to our listeners for helping us keep it going. If you want more Fit Click in your life, you can find us on various social medias and places on the internet. You can email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to communicate long form, you can find us on what is sort of Twitter, whatever that is, every week. We're like, will it still exist? It does now Uh, on Twitter at FitClick and in our pinned tweet, you can also find a link to our Discord server, which is a very lovely fanish community where we chat a lot about things and people's lives and fan fictions and fandoms. If you have a lot of love for FitClick in your heart and would like to support us in a variety of ways, you can do so. If you'd like to support us monetarily, we do have a Ko-Fi and we also have some merch up on Redbubble. If you would like to support us with the use of your words, you can do so by either hyping us up in person or online or leaving us a lovely review. We hope it's lovely. Thanks in advance for making it lovely. Our next episode um, will be another feature of our somewhat new installation in FicClick for your consideration. Um, rather than a fandom classic, this is sort of a fic that we think should have fandom classic fame or attribution. I'm very excited. The fic that we are going to be talking about is Maybe the Truth by Ace, 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 right? There's four aces in there. Um, and it is for the K-pop group Shiny. It is Minho Ki. And I feel like I should let Brenna talk about it because I haven't read this fic yet, but she has. Bren is the Minkie enthusiast on this pod. I'm getting there. I'm Shawol, but I Brenna is the Minkie expert of the three of us. Yes, I love Shawol. I love Shiny. I love Minkie. I'm really excited to talk about this fic on the pod and to reread it. Um, I read this very early in my experience of becoming Minkiest, which was not that long ago, but this just like launched me into space and I was like, ah, I saw the light and I ascended up through the clouds kind of feeling, you know, I understood and I was like, yes. Um, this is a 54k canon verse fic that checks in with Minho and Ki through pretty much all of Shiny's career and their relationship 
relationship as bandmates, as friends, and then eventually as more than that. So I really loved it. I think it's an excellent fic. Um, and I'm happy to talk about it. Ficklets, you're looking kind of sus. Bye. Ficklets, I'm taking my oxen and I'm getting out of here. Bye. Ficklets, you haven't yet seen my true form. Bye. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.